Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, planet Earth's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and you'd do well to remember that. And with me in the studio tonight is my long-time collaborator, the Simon to my Garfunkel, the Botham to my Gower, the Ant to my Deck, the Robson to my Jerome, the Rosie to my Jim, the Thompson to my Thompson, the Johnson to my Johnson, the Crosby to my Stills, Nash and Young, the Tufnell to my St Hubbins. It's Tony Kerr. Later, <laughs> Chris. I'd love that if we you know, had enough time for me to deconstruct every one of those kind of partnerships and groups, but we don't, so <laughs> well, I'll just have to leave. Well, you can deconstruct some of them if you want. Yeah. So I'll just take, take, me through, take me through them again. The Simon to my Garfunkel. I'm, that's probably right. Paul, I'm probably the Paul. Simon's better than Garfunkel, isn't he? Yeah, Garfunkel's a bit of a weed, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit, a bit of a nerd. Uh, the ant to my deck. Would you yeah. rather be Ant than Deck? Well, I'm taller than you, so that's that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know about that, mate. I don't know if anyone would agree with that. <laughs> uh, the Robson to my Jerome. I don't know which one was better. <laughs> I, don't, Although, I be really fair, don't I, know who you'd rather be. Well, to be fair, Robson, recently we've had deep sea fishing or something with with Robson. Oh, I don't know what his other yeah, name but is. Jerome, Robson Green. Jerome's what's Jerome in, done? Jerome's in Game of Thrones. Is he? Yeah. But off. <laughs> he is absolutely true. Uh, okay, well that's that's probably better than, than a Channel Five fishing series. Yeah, so I, I've won that one. The Rosie to my gym. Does anyone know Rosie and Jim? <laughs> I, don't know I, what can't, that is, really. I can't imagine that people listening to this have any idea who Rosie and Jim are. It's like a children's show with puppets when we were about seven years old that aired on BBC Two in the afternoons. Uh, the Thompson to my Thompson. That's from Tintin. The Johnson to my Johnson. That's Johnson and Johnson. You know Johnson and Johnson. You know, the, the company. No More Tears. They oh, do okay, a shampoo, yeah, No yeah, More Johnson, Tears. Johnson. I'd, if I was running that company, I'd like to bring out... Or if I was running a rival company, I'd like to bring out a shampoo with the slogan, Lots More Tears, or Nothing But Tears. <laughs> tears, tears, tears. That, that's always yeah. what I've thought. I mean, maybe I shouldn't apply for the job um, in that <laughs> advertising company. I don't know. Because I, I, I come up with slogans all the time. So sometimes I think I should go into advertising. But they're generally for things that like don't really need advertising, you know, like objects. Things that are like necessities, really. Yeah, like yeah. like one of my slogans would be "Need to sit down, use a chair," and that kind of thing. You know, well, that's, yeah, okay. It's delicious. It's nutritious. It's a carrot. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna get the job. <laughs> at Rubicon, really. for example, <laughs> and, like Rubicon are crying out for a good slogan. Tired of not having things to put your drink in? Why not use a cup? Well, you know, what you've done there, though, in each of those is ask a question and then answer it. Uh, I don't know. No, no. Well, not exactly Don Draper, eh? <laughs> but uh, anyway, carry on. Good times. Well, it's been a slow week here at World <laughs> Cricket Show HQ, as you may be able to tell. How's it going anyway, Tone? Uh, fantastic. Yeah, very good. Uh, one thing I have noticed, though, this week, watching, you know, watching some of the cricket, by some I mean most, is uh, that the gap between the quality of the weather here and in Sri Lanka could not be wider. <laughs> I mean, it's been awful here. Shrinker looks quite tasty. 
it's pouring with rain here again tonight, isn't it? Here in Guernsey. At the end of last week's show, we packed up and left the studio. And as we left, it was absolutely tipping it down. Uh, and I was like, oh, Jesus, I've got my laptop. So as we came outside, I put my hoodie on, put the hood up, stuffed my laptop up my jumper, <laughs> and then, like, ran across the road to my car. And I was just hoping that that wasn't, like, caught on CCTV. Was, yeah, like, late at night. A hooded youth running away from the radio studio with a laptop stuffed up his jumper. Very suspicious. Getting into the car and driving away. Very suspicious. I've not had anyone knocking on my door this week, so hopefully I got away with it. Well, there's lots to talk about tonight, isn't there? Uh, well, there's a, a bit, isn't there? The World 2020 is approaching a climax. England are out. Uh, and we'll be analysing the English debacle in characteristic depth on tonight's show, of course, as well as looking ahead to the upcoming semi-finals. It's all very exciting. I'm excited. Tony's excited. Everyone is excited. I've been looking forward to this since last week. That's all I've been able to think about, really. Uh, but before we get going, I would like to just briefly take a look at the World Cricket Show Fantasy League. Uh, I don't know if you'll be quite so keen to look at this tone because, I mean, we all knew this day would come. I mean, even you must surely have known in your heart of hearts <laughs> that this day would come. For all your hubris, for all your, you know, your choice of team name, Bayfield Slayers, you must have known that at some point I would overtake you in, in the fantasy table. And that day has arrived. Well, uh, I'm yeah. now up to seventh and you've dropped to tenth. How does it feel, Tone? Well, let's get it. Let's yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. The gap is very, very slight. Uh, what are we? Two hundred points. So you know, I fully expect to to come steaming past you in the next three matches. There's no doubt. You know, there's no doubt in my mind. My uh, my confidence is unwavering. You sound more and more like a politician each week, Tim, <laughs> and you're just not delivering on anything. But you know, I've uh, you know, you, you crept past me at the weekend. Had uh, had quite a f uh, a full weekend of entertainment, uh, and it, it caused me to slightly take my eye off the ball and miss miss a couple of, of transfers. You've got to be dedicated. If you're not well, as dedicated as I am, spending your Friday and Saturday nights locked in your bedroom. I mean, I asked someone to lock the door from the outside, <laughs> constantly going over your team. I got in very late on Friday night and, uh, and I woke up at 10 past 11, uh, which is very annoying. About 10 minutes after 10 minutes the, the match had started. But I'm not going to make any excuses. Uh, well, you just have made excuses. Uh, politicians, not to come back to politicians again, but they say that all the time. I don't want to make any excuses. I'm not making excuses here but. after they've listed <laughs> 10 reasons why they can't deliver what they're saying they're going to deliver. I don't want to get too political on this week's show. It is party conference season, of course. Um, I mean, some people have described this as the new question time. Hang on, you're down to eighth now. I am down to eighth, but that's still weight. One, two places higher than you in turn. I've got the army green sideways arrow next to me stability whereas you're on a downward trajectory red downwards arrow it's but, uh, true it is super close isn't it where there's fewer than well not I was gonna say fewer, not quite fewer than 200 points behind between us it's super close around us it's not that close between us and the the top of the table i'm a good 1400 points behind <laughs> first sajit saini still leads the way uh, with mohit redu in second gurpreet singh in third yasir gafur in fourth, and Matt Thornton is at five. I mean, you have to give credit to to Sajit, for example, who's got mm. 1,050 man of the match points. So you know he would have had to pick at ten man of the matches at least, would need to get to that to get to get to that level. So yeah, that's that's fairly impressive. So credit where credit's due. We're we're both on 650, and I think that's quite important. That's maybe the most important figure, isn't it, in, in all of that? Because obviously, if you're picking man of the matches, you're getting you're getting big points. The difference in our points at the moment essentially lies in, in batting. Um, big gap. 
It's fascinating for the listeners, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> Just sure picking it is. through the stats. But is it, isn't it exciting? Isn't the Fantasy League exciting? Probably worth pointing out that uh, I'm actually second in the standings for the Super 8 as well. Well, that's good effort. I flew out the blocks in the Super 8. I was top after the first day, but then uh, then I've been I've been hauled back somewhat. You're down in mid-table now, aren't you? Disappointing, but hey, you know, you can't win them all. I was first. I was leading the way in the Super 8 right up until the last game, and then Mohit Red overtook me. So, you know, I should probably say fair play, well done to him, but I'm not going to. I'm sure everyone's enjoying me harping on about my own successes in, in the Fancy League. I mean, I don't want to take all the credit for it. Shane Watson might <laughs> deserve some of the credit as well. He's got about 20% of my points, I think. Let us both down today, though. Yeah, what did you get? Eight out for eight, only one wicket. Come on, Shane. Not good enough. Come on, what I Do better. Um, if you want to get involved in the World Cricket Show Fantasy League, then it's quite literally too late because there are only three games left and I can't really see what the point of that would be at this stage. Uh, but we've all had fun, haven't we? And it's not over yet. I don't think I'm going to win the thing. I'm probably not going to win the mug. I do already own a mug, so that's not too disappointing. But with a bit of luck and no little talent, I should finish ahead of Tony. And that's really all that matters. World 2020. This is the part of the show where we talk about the World 2020 and we are charging unstoppably into the semi-finals of the World 2020. The first semi-final is on Thursday, the second semi-final is on Friday and the four teams that have made it through are Sri Lanka, Pakistan, West Indies and Australia. Now, of course, by my calculations, four teams through means four teams knocked out and one of the teams to be eliminated was England. Uh, They went into a must-win clash with Sri Lanka in Palakeli on Monday uh, and they didn't win Uh, Sri Lanka made 169 for 6 from their 20 overs 42 from Mahela Jayawardena uh, and some quick fire knocks from Angelo Matthews and Thesara Pereira Uh, England were in desperate trouble when Lasith Malinga reduced them to 18 for 3 in the third over there was a good recovery led by Samit Patel 67 from 48 balls and some late hitting from Graham Swan gave England hope but that only served to make the eventual defeat taste all the more bitter Malinga finished with 5 for 31 as England ended up 150 for 9 to lose by 19 runs and crash out of a tournament in which they were defending champions we got a tweet from at Kevlar who says not sure the England cricket team got the memo about summer 2012 sport their defeat of course followed hot on the heels of the remarkable Ryder Cup triumph so I suppose it was maybe too much to ask um, that they might also deliver where the golfers and the Olympians and the tennis players had delivered but what was your assessment of their tournament Tayan how, how did you feel England went here were you, were you disappointed surprised upset angry that they got knocked <laughs> out or were you none of those things well uh after yesterday's match I trashed my house you know in anger just <laughs> just tore the place apart really no I think England's performance was pretty much exactly what we expected wasn't it going into the tournament what sort of decent a good effort well, but just not quite yeah, one, of the, one of the best eight teams in the competition yeah not a million miles away in many way in many respects uh you know the whole thing's still you know, four teams have got through but it's been very tight and four teams had to get through that was the nature of the, the format <laughs> uh, but, they, but they they you know there were obvious failings you know with bat and ball uh well, I'm just looking back to, to 2010, you know, uh, KP got 248 runs, Kiesvetter 222. Now, neither of them really were there, were they? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, One of them literally clearly, wasn't there. Clearly yeah. wasn't there, but Kiesvetter as well just you know, failed uh, time and time again. 
which was a real shame because he was one of the best players in the, in the tournament in 2010, which England won. Man yeah. of the match in the final, of course. Yeah, and that, that, that was a huge loss. And I think, uh, particularly in the games against West Indies and Sri Lanka, the, the games they lost in the Super 8s, you know, they really they let the they let the opposition get a few too many runs, and started too slowly with the bat uh, in in both matches. So with an informed Kiesvetter and maybe you know a, a kind of dominant performance from Peterson, it, it might have been slightly different. It probably would have been. I have been a bit disappointed um, with England in this tournament. I've been frustrated with them because although I didn't necessarily expect them to go any further than this in the tournament, what I found disappointing has been the way that it's all happened. I do feel that they are a better side than they showed in this tournament. They didn't really produce the kind of performances that they can produce. I think part of that is, you know, maybe they're still bearing some of the scars from the summer. They had a very tough second half of the summer against South Africa, um, suffered some big defeats in, in the test matches. And, and I think that's particularly true of the, the senior elements of the setup, the flower and broad and the coaching staff. They were maybe hit quite hard by what happened against South Africa. They probably needed a bit more of a break than the one that they got coming into this event. I think they are slightly better than the showing, but you would say on paper, and we and we you know we said it before the tournament. On paper, they're probably they're probably outside of the, the four teams that have gone through to the uh, the semis, and a couple of the ones who haven't. You know, the side has potential, and the players that have come in, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, Hales, Bester, etc., have, have looked pretty good in, in places. But you'd look at the other sides there, and they've all got an outstanding player. Uh, and outstanding batsmen, if it, you know, Gale, Watson, McCullum at the top of the order, and you know, without without Pe- you know, you don't want to talk about Peterson too much, but that is what Peterson would have been to England. So I don't think I can say I'm disappointed in terms of my expectations of them. I'm not disappointed. I am disappointed in that my expectation of England is that they should always win. But <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. I'm not disappointed with the eventual outcome going out in the Super Eights. That is what I expected before the tournament. That's what we predicted would happen. It's more just that I feel they could have put up more of a fight than the than the one that they did. I mean, they, they got beaten pretty heavily in the end by both West Indies and Sri Lanka. And yeah, I think England are better than the cricket they produce in this tournament. And what's irritating me is the way that a lot of pundits and fans and people on Twitter um, keep saying... Don't get irritated with people on Twitter. <laughs> uh... Life's too short, really. But uh, uh, they, they keep saying things along the lines of, oh, it's just the same old England... You know, if you watch the Sky Highlights show, Dominic Cork said something like, you know, <laughs> oh, when will we ever learn how to play this format? You know, <laughs> it's, well, it's we won it last time, didn't we? Won it, you know, <laughs> we won it in 2010. So obviously they weren't doing too badly then. People feel that England approached 2020 anachronistically or that, you know, they're trying to play a, a type of cricket that um, the rest of the world has moved on from. But that patently wasn't true in 2010. They were the best team in that event and they won it. So to say that England don't know how to play 2020 or when are they going to learn how to play 2020 is absurd. There are lots of reasons why England failed at this event, but it's got nothing to do with not knowing how to play 2020. They just didn't execute properly. And as you've identified, the most you know, glaring issues, the, the, the main reason for that is, is the, the top order, which was, again, in the Sri Lanka game that was highlighted um, when they lost three wickets in that one Malinga over, which was just desperate to watch, wasn't it? I mean, when Johnny Bairstead <laughs> shipped that up in the air, I just left, I just walked out of the room. It's like, forget this. Uh, and then Alex Hales, LBW, next ball. Was, Come on! It was, <laughs> it was yeah. annoying. But yeah, the top order was poor, but in fact, the whole batting lineup has been poor. Um, there was a huge amount of inexperience there, and it was exposed by the teams that they played. I mean, neither Bairstow nor Butler 
Uh, both of whom had quite a lot of expectations on their shoulders. Neither of them made a score between them. And unless Morgan made runs, you, you felt that no one else was going to, really. Luke Wright did very well. I don't think, I, in terms of expectation, I certainly didn't see him producing those kind of performances. Uh, I mean, he did it a couple of times. What did he get, 99, not out against Afghanistan, and then, what, 70-odd then against New Zealand? 76, yeah, uh, uh, 43 against New Zealand. That was which, tremendous innings, yeah. Which was, uh, yeah, which was a good fun. That, that performance against New Zealand was very good. It was pretty comfortable in the end, so... It wasn't always, it wasn't all bad news. The key message going into the tournament was just how open it, how ridiculously open it, it was. You know, I don't think England are or were that far behind. But like you say, execution. I mean, uh, Andy Flower kind of did well to reason reason his with the selections they made for the final game today. It didn't really justify Bapara's inclusion <laughs> uh, much. But other than that, you know, it, it seemed like pretty reasonable stuff. I, I think some of the selections haven't been enormously sensible the i think the original squad perhaps wasn't the best selection they could have come up with um i mean we talk about the batting and as you say they were missing peterson but in his absence they might have gone to someone with a real kind of test match one day international you know world-class pedigree to replace him it's it's hard to imagine picking alistair cook or jonathan trott or ian bell for 2020 but would they have done worse than some of these guys and you, you do feel that england picked a lot of batsmen who they were hoping to do well rather than expecting to do well, other than Morgan. Who were you expecting to succeed in that team? Uh, yeah, they've, team. They're, these are players with a good future who Butler Hell's best day, presumably going to be the mainstay of the side in a couple of years if they can, if they don't completely capitulate. No, absolutely. absolutely so, so that's good. But yeah, like you say, a little bit more experience in the batting lineup yeah, would have been helpful. It is, it's particularly annoying as well that it looks like Peterson's going to come out in the next kind of 24, 36 hours and return to the team. It's <laughs> yeah. just, you know, do it two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is frustrating, but it can't be helped. And I, I, I don't want to yeah, we don't want to dwell, on dwell too much on the Peterson thing because just one player wouldn't have probably made the difference between England winning the cup and well, and doing this, but it would have it would have made a difference. It might have made a difference to the confidence of the squad and a lot of other things. But things though, if you, if you maybe if you take Watson out of the Australian team, they're not in the semis probably. Gale out of West Indies. Gale out of West Indies. You know, it, it is. I mean, it, perhaps it is that you know, th- that big of a deal. We talk about some of the. I sound like bloody David Lloyd, don't I? <laughs> talk about the uh, talk about the young fielders. Uh, talk about their selections. Yeah, for that final game, England made three cha- changes. Uh, dropped Craig Keysvetter, brought in Ravi Bapara, <laughs> uh, brought in Jade Dernbach for Tim Bresnan, and brought in Samit Patel for Danny Briggs. What did you make of that team selection? Did it did it smack of muddled thinking? Maybe you know they, they just had a good win against New Zealand, then they make three changes, completely change not just the personnel but actually the balance of the team as well. How did you how did you read that one? Yeah, well, I mean, it probably might have been one change too many. Uh, I think moving Keysvetter out was probably the right decision. Yeah, he looked. He just looked shot, didn't he? Uh, not at all encouraging. The, the shot he played against West Indies, uh, yeah, he, the ball skewed up in the air, and he didn't follow it. He just kind of kept looking where he where he was you know, straight ahead, and he just knew. But I've, well, what did he have? Four innings in this tournament, two ducks, a four or fourteen balls, and then one thirty odd yeah, as well. Yeah, he did it right, but in that one. But uh, but yeah, that that was that was probably the right decision, and and getting Luke Wright up to opener, uh, him and Hales, that that looked like a good good. Good decision. Bringing Bapar in that was that was difficult to watch. Uh, I'm sure you have plenty to say about that. Well, 
I, mean, I, 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 I actually don't wish wish negative stuff on him, but then it, well, it was but it was just well. This is the point. He's struggling lot, around uh, for people's, then got out horribly. It was just always going to happen, and a lot of people tweeted at us like, as soon as Ravi Bapara gets picked, we just get so many tweets. People think I don't like Bapara personally. That isn't <laughs> it at all. I generally felt sorry for the guy because there's just no way. He's going to succeed. He hasn't got a snowball's chance in hell. And it's unfair on him. It's unfair on someone that rubbish to put him into that situation. So that it's the selector's fault, not Ravi Bapara's. Um, but I just really hope that he doesn't get selected again. You knew exactly what was going to happen there, and it did. To Sri Lanka, if they rock up and they see Ravi Bapara's name on the team sheet, you know, that's got to fill them with confidence. <laughs> I'd feel pretty confident bowling to Bapara at this point. See, I don't know. For me, it did just smack a little bit of muddled thinking. And that's kind of... It's 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 uncharacteristic for Andy Flower and the rest of that England think tank to be so muddled. But I do think they made a couple of wrong calls there. I mean, you, you talk about uh, dropping Keysvetter. I think, you know, that while I agree that his confidence did look completely shot, could you not also say the same thing about Johnny Bairstow, who they promoted to three and gave the wicket-keeping gloves to? Might it not have made a bit more sense to drop Bairstow, slide Keysvetter down the order, keep him as the wicketkeeper. It, it was asking a lot of Johnny Bairstow in that game to, for him to keep wicket. But he kept all right, didn't he? Well, he kept all right, but he, he, he'd left a few through his legs. Yeah. To me, it was just putting a lot of pressure on him when he was just as out of form Certainly, as, as Craig you know, Keysvetter. You always get the thought that Michael Lamb might have done the job. Well, he should have been given a go. Given Why was chance? he not given a go ahead of Ravi Bapara, friend of the world cricket show Michael Lamb? could certainly have, have done better than Bapara, you'd have thought. They brought back Jade Dern back as well, which to me was uh, you know, quite an optimistic decision. Uh, you know, He'd been carted around the park, hadn't he, in the other games he'd played. He was consistently poor in those death overs when he was supposed to be England's match winner. So, you know, I, I just felt England a bit too much chopping and changing. They didn't really know what their best 11 was. And the contrast between that and the tournament in the Caribbean where... They knew exactly what their best 11 was. They stuck with it. And every one of those 11 players knew exactly what their role was within the team. That's really the difference yeah. between a champion team and a, and a Super 8 team, isn't it? And that's what's happened. I think, though, that there's an argument that says ideal situation is to have 11 players who know what their job is. But you know, unless they're all in form, you, you have to make changes. And Sri Lanka have made you know, a fair number of changes as they've gone along and they've, they've, they've made their way through to the semis. Uh, India have made quite a few changes and they've gone out. So I don't know, maybe it, yeah, it does depend. But yeah, I think a bit more consistency would have probably suited England. It's not necessarily you know, n- not replacing players who are out of form. It's just It just felt like England had no idea what their best combination was. They were still experimenting in a must-win you know, de facto quarter-final. Because Danny Briggs wasn't dropped because he was out of form. He bowled quite well against New Zealand. But they still dropped him. That's the sort of thing that they probably need to look at ahead of the next edition of the tournament. Well, I mean, what's great though? I mean, I'm already look, you know, not already looking forward to it, but kind of. Uh, you know, two years time, have another crack, and it's it's, a, it's been a great tournament, hasn't it? And at least England are in the mix. Well, they're not anymore. Not 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 in this tournament. I mean, <laughs> right. in, in the kind of in the format, you know, it's it's still much better than we've uh, we've had in our kind of lifetime of, of in terms of one day cricket. Yeah, they are in, one in, of in the ICC con- tournaments. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're one of eight contenders, but, <laughs> but that's great. That's better than not being one of eight. Yeah, there weren't many people who coming into the tournament said England have no chance. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, it, it might be that by Bangladesh 2014, we're looking back at this tournament as oh, what what a smart piece of thinking by England to to blood those young guys, get them some tournament experience. It might be that Bairstow, Butler, etc., are you know real world-class players at that stage who knows 
so yeah, maybe we should uh, we'll, we'll we'll revisit some of these themes then. But if you were to give it, you know, a mark out of ten for England's tournament, five probably. <laughs> it's funny because you've been much more positive about England than I have, seven. and I was going to give him six. <laughs> so. uh, well, I don't know. It depends how you t- t- different people have different kind of perspective on what you know what's a good score no that's very true yeah uh, marks out of 10 never makes much sense six because, yeah six would have been because yeah for me six out of 10 is just like average whereas for other people you know if you look on imdb a movie's got six is six it's not awful it's is not it? awful is it yeah but then if you if you have a five star or uh, you know an out of five star review of anything yeah five stars is the only thing you take seriously four maybe when you get down to three which would be the equivalent of six you're thinking mm, probably not I suppose, you know, you give them five out of ten if you'd given them five stars out of five. You'd be saying that's a great, that's a great review. So, uh, yeah, I think five, five is a reasonable score. I mean, we can debate the score for a while. but No, you know, I think you know, they, they did all right, didn't they? They, they? they just, they lacked enough players in form. Wright, Morgan, Finn, Swan all had decent tournaments, but the rest, you know, were, were mediocre or worse. But most importantly, you know, at the end of the day, anything can happen in 2020. It just didn't quite happen England's way this and there time. And there are teams, uh, you know, that have had much worse performances and results in a way. South Africa, for example. Well, India have gone out today. And in, in terms of questioning the management and questioning kind of their, their whole attitude to it, more perplexing. So a valiant effort is what so, you yeah, decent. Did all right. Let's turn our attention to the other teams then. Pakistan have made it through. Um, they go into a semi-final with the hosts on Thursday. Uh, we both predicted that Pakistan would make it through to the semi-finals. In fact, I think we both predicted that Pakistan would make it to the final, didn't we? Wh- which other teams did we predict? I went for pre-tournament. I went for Pakistan, West Indies, India and Sri Lanka. So I've got three out of four, right? I did change it halfway through. <laughs> to New Zealand and South Africa um, in place of Sri Lanka and India. That was hasty, wasn't it? So, uh, you know, Pakistan and West Indies, I've got right consistently. Yeah, I went, well, I went for a Pakistan-New Zealand final with India and Sri Lanka to miss out in the semis. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not too disappointed with how those predictions have, have run out. Uh, 50%. Pakistan have, 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 edged, have edged in, uh, looking much better today than they have done maybe in the tournament so far. And I think they've still got as good a chance as any of the other four to win it. New Zealand, you'd have to say, let me down slightly in that they came so close. And, uh, and the reason I went for them, you know, one, I did think they had a good chance, but also in terms of a value bet, they're excellent on the, uh, you know, on the betting exchanges. They're out kind of 23 to 1. Which was you don't have to justify yourself to me. You price. don't have to justify yeah. yourself to me or the listeners. I mean, it was way out in front. You know, You've only way... got to answer to yourself <laughs> when you go to bed at night. I slept very well last night. <laughs> I slept very well. But I mean, yeah, they were they were out at twenty fours when you know teams like South Africa, India, Sri Lanka win uh, around. Yeah, they six didn't and get seven. through. They did. What they? I'm saying is that's my point. They, they missed out uh, to two super overs in games they really should have won at the death. They came close enough to me to be satisfied that that was a good pick. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you got two out of four teams, which isn't bad. Neither of us picked Australia, and we'll come on to that in a minute, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, West Indies did very well, but I think if this, I think if it was played again, I could easily see uh, Sri Lanka and New Zealand coming through. Yeah, but it won't be played again. Obviously it's, not. It's played Obviously once. not. The teams that got through, Teddy, were Sri Lanka. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. West Indies, Pakistan and Australia. So you got two out of four. Would, you, you, would you, you be satisfied? Your... Would you be satisfied with 50% on a university essay? Well, I got two out of four and the other team that I picked uh, at, you know, at a huge value lost Didn't out, get lost, through. Lost out to two Super Overs. Yeah, but they didn't get through. They won neither. <laughs> two Super Overs in games where they should have won at the death and then had another chance in, the, in a... In a you know, a ridiculous lottery in the I Super Over. I don't Ava. understand your point, so, though, because they didn't. What I'm saying is they performed very well, though. They had a good tournament. Yeah, well, you should have said that at the start. <laughs> you just said, I'm predicting New Zealand Look, to get through or get knocked out. Two in Super, Super Over defeats, though, is ridiculous. You know, that's, that's absurd. I've got a lot of sympathy for New Zealand, actually. If you're a New Zealand fan, you must be absolutely gutted, because you're right. On another day, they would have won both of those games and they'd be in the semi-finals. So... There we go, but yeah, you know what, what it has gone on, you know, gone to prove. I think is just how open it's been. I, you know, any realistically, any four of the eight could have got through. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with two. Uh, you, you know, you started well, but your resolve weakened, and you've ended up with one of I the know, four. I know it's annoying. I sh- I should have learned from my mistakes. I should have just stuck with my predictions because if you remember the 50 over World Cup <laughs> pre-tournament, I predicted an India Sri Lanka final which is what transpired. But I think halfway through, I panicked and <laughs> predicted something like South Africa, Holland, or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I should have, I should have just stuck with my, my, my gut. Uh, talk about the teams themselves. Uh, okay, just... Let's talk about why we didn't pick Australia. Uh, and the reason we didn't pick Australia, neither of us picked Australia, was because we didn't think they looked good enough. Fair play to them. Watson has just done unbelievably well, yes, again. You know, the first time though that the first time that they've come up against a team who've broken through those uh, well, Watson and Warner uh, and Hussey, you know they've they've lost fairly comfortably. So, well, they didn't quite break through Hussey today, Pakistan. Not quite break but, through, but, but you're you know right. I mean. Yeah, once they um, want, they cracked the top order. Talk about Shane Watson. Uh, he's what the leading wicket taker, the leading run scorer, the leading six hitter. Four consecutive man of the match awards. You could argue he's staking a claim as uh, one of the the leading limited overs all-rounders ever. I mean, this is, at a global tournament, this is one of the most incredible individual performances. Yeah, NASA NASA in the commentary yesterday said about five or six times as Gail was walking to the crease, this is the best player in 2020 cricket. Uh, And, you know, I'm I'm not going to dispute that that might, you know, that Gail certainly is in the top three, probably, and definitely in the top three. But, you know, I actually think it's Watson at the moment. Like, it'd be very hard not to pick Watson if you were, if you were asked to pick one player. Two weeks ago, I probably would have said Gale. But now, how can you look beyond Watson? Because he's pretty much as good a batsman, certainly as destructive as Gale. And he's the best bowler in the tournament as well. <laughs> so, 
yeah, I mean, he's been unbelievable. I find it hard to believe that I ever didn't like the guy because he's so great. I bloody love Shane Watson these days. Yeah. Um, he does look a lot like Patrick Swayze in Point Break. <laughs> um, but despite that, he's doing well. But I, I don't think you could have predicted. I mean, we knew he was good and we knew he was going to be a big player in the tournament. But we couldn't, I don't think we could have predicted uh, that he'd be this effective, this influential, and that Australia, off the back of it, would get through to the semis. Well, absolutely. And it is almost exclusively off the back of those dazzling performances from Watson that they have made it this far. They swept India aside, they swept South Africa aside, but that was almost entirely because of Shane Watson. And their defeat to Pakistan will have sounded some alarm bells for them because the defeat came about because Watson got out early and then the weakness that people have um, been talking about in their middle and lower order was exposed. And there is no doubting that they are vulnerable from number four downwards. You've got Cameron White there, and he's done it against big teams before, uh, and then Glenn Maxwell and Matthew Wade, who are exciting prospects. But opposition teams will feel that if they can get past Watson and they can get past Warner and Hussey as well, then they're going to knock Australia over. Now, until today, the question was, could anyone get past Watson? Could anyone get past that top three? Watson was looking like he was going to produce in every game. And he might still produce in the semi-final and the final. And that might be enough to win Australia the tournament. But if West Indies or whoever they play in a potential final do get Watson out early, there will be some nerves jangling in that Australian dugout. Yeah, I think there, I mean, there is some credit to be spread around elsewhere. The Mitchell Stark's been pretty good. Oh, in the bowling, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the bowling they, yeah, has, yeah, has been done, good. They've done well. And they're still capable, probably, of pulling out a performance if, if Watson doesn't doesn't come to the party. But if he doesn't, the chances are they probably won't. Well, this is the point. If Watson does come to the party, then Australia have got to be favourites to lift the trophy. But but if you know he does get out early, that makes such a big difference to the match. It's an interesting concept in a way, isn't it? The idea that one player can win a tournament more or less on his own. We talked about Kevin Peterson earlier, how much of a difference he might have made to England's campaign. Um, and you're right, take Watson out of Australia, they wouldn't be in this position. It's, it, in many ways, it's kind of been a feature of the tournament. Batsmen who, who have picked, uh, say, to come in five, six, seven, just don't get a chance, do they? Well, and that clearly didn't help Australia today, did it, against Pakistan, because you know, having lost those early wickets, uh, the batsmen coming in haven't really seen action yeah, in this tournament, we're a bit exposed. Whereas Pakistan, <laughs> Pakistan have lost quite a few wickets as the tournament's gone on. So you know the likes of Umar Akmal you know, has done a bit more, and you know Abdul Razak did quite well today. So so maybe that kind of counts slightly in their favour, even though Pakistan's batting hasn't looked that great. Maybe going to the, the last, the semi-final and final, if they can get through that semi as well, you'd say that perhaps five, six, or seven of those batsmen have at least kind of got their eye in. What have you made of them so far? How do you how do you rate their chances? They do look dangerous, don't they? I mean, in, in the past, we've we've always sort of seen Pakistan as this inconsistent team, mercurial, um, sort of been notoriously inconsistent. But that hasn't been the case for a little while. But then, you know, maybe in this tournament, starting to see that again, brilliant against Australia, but poor against India, lost a lot of wickets, as you say, throughout the tournament. How do you rate them ahead of the semi-final? Not a lot to pick between them and Sri Lanka, you'd say. Trunker have almost certainly got the better batting lineup. Pakistan maybe have the best bowlers as a as a as a whole kind of collection of options. They've certainly got the best spinners, um, which was exactly what they needed against Australia. Um, but the spinners didn't have quite the same degree of success against India because India just plays spin better. And the same will be true of Sri Lanka. So that's going to be interesting because Umar Gul has been poor. 
Um, but then Sri Lanka have got an unbelievable bowling attack as well, so I don't know. It's a lottery. One problem for Pakistan in the bowling is that Shahid Afridi hasn't quite hit the heights that he has in previous World 2020s. You know, he was man of the tournament in 2009, wasn't he? Um, and he has been more or less a specialist bowler for years now. Uh, but he hasn't bowled that well here, which means that they are sort of missing one of the biggest weapons that they had available to them before. Um, yeah, I mean, Afridi's maybe the biggest disappointment of the tournament. He hasn't... He hasn't done anything with the bat and has been fairly ineffective with the ball he's just not an all-rounder they, they shouldn't no. call him an all-rounder anymore i mean when, he just doesn't score runs <laughs> so there's no point calling him an all-rounder and anyway, as we say they do take on sri lanka um on thursday on last week's show i spent some time criticizing sri lanka talking about how unimpressive they looked but they've roared into form in the super eights haven't they the only team to win all three games uh, and they do just seem to be getting stronger with every match. Their key batsmen are making runs, Dilshan Jayawad and Sangakara. And Malinga will have received, uh, I think, a big injection of confidence from his 5 for against England. Hadn't bowled that well in the tournament up to that point. So I think a lot of people are beginning to see them as tournament favourites, especially with home support kind of building um, underneath them. What about you? How do you assess their chances? It's a one in four shot, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I mean, no, Sri Lanka, have, Sri Lanka have done really well. Malinga against England definitely looked better than he has done. Maybe you know, he's, maybe he's coming into a, a bit of form now, which is ominous probably for the rest of the teams. But Why does he wear a white hat, Malinga? A white cricket hat? It's pretty cool. It's quite distinctive. But is that why he does it? Or does he just always forget his Sri Lanka hat? <laughs> yeah, I used, to, I used to do that when I was a kid. Not that we had coloured kits, <laughs> no. but I used to forget my actual, my team cricket jumper and just wear like a one with green and yellow stripe on or something. So you're saying Lassith Malinga is emulating well, you know, his, he knows, he knows his boyhood his idol, <laughs> Tony Kerr. Uh, and the other semi-finalist, of course, is West Indies. Ahead of the tournament, they were one of the favourites uh, and they've made it into the semi-finals. They were not fortunate to get there, but after losing to Sri Lanka so comprehensively, they would certainly have been quite nervous. It wasn't in their hands. If England had won um, their final game, they would have been knocked out. Gales had a very good tournament, but aside from him, would it be fair to say perhaps that their, their box office 2020 names haven't really fired your Pollards, your Russells, your Dwayne Bravos? Um, not much from them. Sunil Narayan as well. I mean, he made, he made a, a match-winning contribution against New Zealand, but that was his first contribution of any substance and will he be able to do it again against australia in the semi-finals he had enormous success against them earlier this year so that could be fascinating to see whether he's see whether they've kind of worked him out or not that could be a, a potentially decisive duel in that game I don't, yeah west indies i think they may be slightly fortunate to have got through against england yeah england were poor but there were a couple of just decisive bits of fielding in the uh, towards the end of the england innings i think it was it andre russell on the boundary which is really extraordinary I mean, that was Six saving. an unbelievable yeah. feeling. In real time, I didn't understand what had happened, like how it had happened. Uh, it looked like his body had bent, his, his, like his back had arched so far backwards that he'd actually probably broken it or something. Yeah, if you didn't see it, uh, the ball was sailing over the boundary. He leapt up as though to take the catch and got it in his hand, just flicked it back, which obviously you've seen people do before, but this was just sort of more athletic. It was way behind him. He flicked it back. You just thought he must surely have touched the ground beyond the boundary because he was so far beyond it. But he didn't, and he saved his side four runs there. There were a few other amazing bits of fielding as well. Was it Darren Sammy uh, pulled off quite extraordinary slide on his belly to save a four? But Yeah, and the margin of victory was only 15 runs in the end. So, you know, 
does make a big difference. Yeah, you do feel they were a little bit fortuitous in that game. Uh, oh, they yeah, beat well, New Zealand they, on a super over yeah. as well, didn't they? So you could argue that they've been lucky to win any games at all in this tournament. But then that would probably be slightly harsh, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, these are the margins uh, in a 2020 tournament. In a 2020 tournament of cricket, with a, a number of sides who are pretty good. Yeah, and it's it's not lucky that Andre Russell and Darren Sammy did amazing bits of fielding. They won that game because of that, and that's brilliant skill. So, yeah, it's not lucky that they did that. But I know I know what you mean. They 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 haven't been dominant in any game that they've played. But as we said before the tournament, it's all about just getting into the semi-finals, find a way into the semi-finals, and then it's just a shootout, isn't it? It's just two games is what it comes down to, and West Indies do have as good a chance as anyone, and they've certainly got some of the most incredible players in the tournament. They've got some of the most extraordinary match-winning batsmen, so there's absolutely no reason why they can't win it from here. But I'm going to ask you, Tan, I'm going to do it. You don't want me to, but I'm going to do it. At this point, can you pick a winner for me? We know it's a shootout. I know you're going to say it could be anyone. It's anyone's game. <laughs> anyone could be anyone. Anything can happen. But I'm going to ask you for one name. Just one. It can be two words if you're going to go for either Sri Lanka <laughs> or West Indies. But one country. From the, se- the, the Australia-West Indies semi-final, it literally, I'd say it literally comes down to uh, who plays better, Gale or Watson, who bats better. Uh, because if either one is at the crease for 10.50 note or 10 or 12 overs or something then I think their team is going to have won the game. The other semi-final, you know, I've literally got my money on Pakistan, but maybe Sri Lanka will go on and win the tournament, I think. You're going Sri Lanka. At this point, it could be them. <laughs> well, if you're it's gonna, possible. If you're going Sri Lanka, I'm, I can't go them. So I'm going to go Pakistan. But you know, Tal, I don't know why you didn't say this. Anything can happen. It's really anyone's yeah, I, game. I genuinely anyone don't know. I genuinely anyone. don't know. I genuinely don't know. I'd love to see Pakistan Surprised you it. didn't say that. You didn't include that in your answer because you, <laughs> you're quite confident it was going to be Sri Lanka. Which team have you most enjoyed watching? <sighs> Difficult one. Maybe Sri Lanka because, you know, the crowds have been so good. The atmosphere has been so good. I think well, one of the kind of one of the nice things about it, uh, about the tournament is, you know, it, it's there's a couple of games every day, and we've seen some great performances from the most exciting: Gale, McCullum, Watson, Coley. So that that's been unbelievably entertaining. So I don't know. I don't know which team I'd say. Yeah, the big players have turned up. Maybe uh, it's hard to look past Gale as being the most entertaining batsman to watch. So yeah. in that sense, maybe West Indies. Yeah, I agree. Been I think some and, great and games. The rest of the West Indies side as well. To be fair, I mean, for sheer entertainment, it's hard to look beyond them. And actually. Darren Sammy comes in for a lot of stick, but I've got so much time for him. He plays the game with such enthusiasm and totally in the right spirit. And he might not be as enjoyable to watch as Chris Gale, but the way he conducts himself on the field is fantastic. And so, yeah, for me, I think it would be great if West Indies won this tournament for all sorts of reasons, but not least because you know I think Darren Sammy deserves it. New Zealand as well, I think, have been a thoroughly entertaining team to watch. Always, always seem to be, and. You know, by virtue of the fact that they've been involved in two Super Over matches, you'd have to say that they're you know, two unbelievable games. So maybe them as well. I mean, the, the Super 8s has been a fantastic unit, doesn't it? A batch of matches. It's been a great advertisement for cricket, hasn't it? <laughs> That's what they say. The contrast between the group stage and the Super 8s has been pretty stark. Pretty stark. Lord Stark. <laughs> 
Things I've enjoyed in this tournament, the Super Overs. Talk about New Zealand, you know, feeling sorry for them. But great to watch. As a neutral, fantastic to watch. What, what it made me laugh, uh, it makes me laugh the kind of the, just sending out the like players that haven't played in the match just the field in the Super Over. That was funny. It was quite funny. The commentators just identifying Simmons on the boundary. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's true. It's like, where's he come from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, Sun on Orion appears to have picked up, <laughs> picked up an injury between the end of the game and the start of the Super Over. And now athlete Lendl Simmons is fielding his place. <laughs> yeah. Usain Bolt's out there. Yeah, so I've enjoyed those. Another thing I've enjoyed, Nasser Hussain getting all hot and bothered about Marlon Samuels. Have you noticed this? <laughs> Over the summer, he developed a pretty significant crush on Marlon Samuels. <laughs> and it's just gone to new heights here. He's just all the time, whenever he hits a six, he's like, oh, big lad, strong lad. Marlon Samuels, really strong. Look at those muscles. Look at those muscles, Marlon. It's, it's really funny. Things I've not enjoyed uh, would include David Lloyd's commentary. Not to come back to this. <laughs> But I'm sorry, but Wallop has just ruined it for me now. I can't, I can't watch Bumble. Everything he says annoys me. It, it pains me to say because I used to like him a lot, but Wallop has just ruined it. You know when like someone you know in real life starts doing something that annoys you and it annoys you so much that then everything they start doing <laughs> annoys you. You can't get it out of your head and it just starts to, yeah. Yeah, everything starts to irritate you. And that's what's happening here. I thank God they've stopped him doing it. I'd, I'd love to have been present in the meeting where he was sort of, yeah, he just checks his email, you know, uh, kind of goes down to the hotel lobby, whatever, in the middle of the night, checks his email. Uh, and there's one from, I don't know who it would have been from, like, I don't know who, does, it's like ESPN, isn't it, who yeah. do, the, do the coverage, uh, you know, from the boss of ESPN just saying, listen, Bumble, cut it out. Cut out and then the just wallet. crying into his, into his laptop. Because he must have, he was pretty pleased with himself, I think, when he came up with that. Yeah, oh, he was so pleased with himself, and that's what annoyed me. <laughs> it's not the word wallop, it's, it's how obviously pleased with himself he was, and you could hear it in his voice. It's like, you know, if, if, if someone hit it for six, but it was a, a top edge or something, and you weren't sure if it was going to go, you just hear him go like, he's not got all of this, will it go all the way? Yes, it will wallop! <laughs> it's like, just stop it. Things that I wasn't enjoying, and they got rid of pretty quickly, the split screen. Yeah, that was gone within about two matches. That's true, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, they, they that heard was us dreadful. Talking about it, so. Yeah, that was just a dreadful idea. One thing that really baffles me is every time there's a free hit, they show the ball from a, a, a peculiar angle. It's like down and to the side. Just show it from a normal angle. <laughs> the first yeah. time I was like, oh, that's weird. They've they've obviously made a mistake there. But it's every time there's a free hit. I don't understand. You can't see what's going on. You think that would be the most exciting part of the match? <laughs> yeah. But they show it from this angle where you can't see where the ball's gone. Most annoying moment from my wallet and pride perspective uh, was uh, Southie's no ball. The first ball of the Super Bowl against West Indies. Very irritating. You knew at that point that New Zealand were crashing out. Disappeared over the boundary. Really, (laughs) really disappointed with him. I would love to have seen your face when that (laughs) happened. Right, well, time to draw a line under this week's episode of the World Cricket Show. Thanks a lot for all your help tonight, Tone. That's been a pleasure, Adam. I couldn't have done this without you. That probably says as much about my own incompetence as anything else. But anyway, thank you. It's quite literally been a pleasure. What you got lined up for this week then? What you got lined up for this week? It's, it's a huge weekend, isn't it? Of sport and, and other things. Plenty to get my teeth into. Cricket. Got, got one. three cricket matches to watch. Newcastle are playing at home to Man United on Sunday. Clashes with the final, which is a bit of a concern. But I'm sure I'll find a way. 
Well, the uh, the World Cricket Show paymasters are not, not <laughs> yeah. going to be happy if you're discovered in a pub watching the Newcastle game. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so we'll see. No, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure I can I can flip between the two. Mm, well, that might... well, it's slap bang in the middle of it, which is slightly <laughs> annoying. So we'll see. Well, I'm certainly going to be glued to the remainder of the 2020. I think it is meant to rain all weekend, so that's what I'll be doing. The women's semi-finals are immediately prior to the the men's games as well, of course. England might win that tournament. The men are out, but the women might win. On our Facebook page, James Travers posted, I've got a question. Is it time to get behind the England women's team? Could well be. uh, uh, It's made me chuckle at how often the commentators of of one of them will have said to another, oh, you're down to do the women's semi-final, aren't you? They said it to I can't remember who it was today. I think it was... Ian Chappell, wasn't it? Was it? And it was... uh, Pommy and Chappell, was it? Chappell was certainly talking about it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, I don't know. And then the other one will be like, Oh, you'd be perfect for it. You'd be really into that, wouldn't you? And it's just like, well, can we stop? Yeah, you know. It is just kind of seedy old <laughs> <Yeah>. men. Um, <laughs> With Tony, actually, one more thing I enjoyed: Tony Gregg's post-match presentation. Right, he's just like yeah. someone's like some. He's so out of place. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Right, well, we got uh, the. Who is it? Did the presentation tonight? And they were like, maybe it's Sanjay Mandraker. And he's like, uh, and to present the man of the match award, we've actually got a woman. it's like so and so from pepsi cola company it's so patronizing isn't it i mean (laughs) what tony Gregg says about women's cricket behind closed doors should probably stay there shouldn't it (laughs) but uh yeah no i think it will be it will be quite entertaining to watch the uh to watch the women's semi-finals presumably england heavy favorites uh well they've certainly been the most impressive so far so come on girls do us proud (laughs) go on girls (laughs) that's not patronizing is it don't think so uh, right, well, yeah, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with our review of the tournament, which will be very exciting. I'll be spending quite a bit of time devising my team of the tournament, my composite 11, if you will. Will so, you be doing it within the financial constraints of the Cricket Info Fantasy Cricket competition? Absolutely not. I'm really looking forward to breaking the shackles. In which case, you would have had to have Keys Vetter in the side <laughs> uh, to, to squeeze in the likes of Gale and, and Watson. No, I'm looking forward to, to casting off those manacles, just being creative, just being allowed to be myself and, and pick the composite 11 that I want to. So we'll all be looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there's just so many different things that you can do to get more involved in the World Cricket Show. Uh, the best thing, I reckon, uh, would be to leave us a review on iTunes. Go on, you know you want to. We'd be your best mate. Just, just write something nice. Would really help us in our relentless charge up the rankings. Follow us on Twitter, at Cricket Show. I'm tweeting throughout the tournament. You can follow Tony as well, at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. I saw you tweeted something, was it today, yesterday? That I was like, wow, that's just he's just tweeted about the cricket. Yeah, just went for it. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Literally, if you want more of that, get on board. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, you can follow London correspondent Gordon McRae on Twitter as well if you want. Was it at G underscore yeah. McRae? He's now calling himself Slow Jazz. I Slow don't know what that means. Jazz. His name is. It's not his handle. That's just what he's called on Twitter. Slow yeah. Jazz. What are you talking about? He's lost the plot, I think. We need to get him on the show, mate. We really do. He's got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, he needs to do a bit more research on contemporary 2020 cricket, I think. Uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Click the like button there and suggest it to your friends send us an email worldcricketshow at gmail.com do that if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers and if you direct your web browser to www.cricketshow.net 
there you can buy a World Cricket Show t-shirt. It's just £15, including worldwide shipping, which works out, we calculated last week, uh, around 24 US dollars. As soon as we told people how many US dollars it was, t-shirts started flying off the sh- shelves out to the US. Sudden upsurge in t-shirt sales. Uh, do you think people have just been listening to me say that every week? 15 pounds, just thinking, well, that must be, what, hundreds of dollars? <laughs> when do they think this is? Yeah. 2007? I oh, know. Times have changed. We're giving them away, basically, now. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, not that many dollars, really. Uh, so, yeah, buy yourself a T-shirt. And that is about it. Stay in school, well, boys and girls. We're, uh, we're Our five-a-side football team starts, uh, starts out in the top division of the local five-a-side league on Tuesday night. And I, we haven't got around to ordering new kits yet. As we've never do. Of course we have. So we will be. We just will never get around (laughs) to doing anything. Uh, But we'll be turning out uh, in World Creek Show t-shirts, which is quite exciting. Yeah, that's that's the only kit that we could think of. Um, So yeah, we'll maybe post a picture of that. Our five-a-side league. We were in Division Two of four last season, and we did pretty well in Division Two. But you know, I, I felt like we'd sort of found our level, and now the league's been reduced to just two divisions, and we've been promoted to Division One. Uh, which is going to be a bit of a struggle, I think, because there's some quite good teams in there. And I texted uh, one of our team members last night, let me get it up, uh, to say that we were now in Division 1. And he replied, three separate messages. First one, hashtag pumped. Second one, hashtag this will get the best out of us. Third one, hashtag Kerr might struggle. Wow. And I (laughs) then I replied with hashtag time to ship Kerr out on loan. (laughs) The thing is, yeah, I've actually I preached my best stuff on the biggest stages, as you well know. Even though I scored bags of goals last season, uh, when our other, when my, when our other good striker uh, departed travelling this summer, someone's like, "Well, we haven't got any strikers anymore." <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> I was there as well. I was like, "You joking?" It's like Alex gone. Where are all the goals coming from? Uh, yeah. as, as you're right there, having put away you know twenty plus goals last season, I'm a twenty goal a season player. We're going to be no shortage of goals. And you hear all about it next week. Was this is in the winter time? Or, you know, there's no Cobra Legends. Are we just going to be talking about our five-side <laughs> football team? I don't know whether that's what people are tuning in no. for. But uh, maybe we'll keep people sporadically updated. Uh, but yeah, let's wrap this one up, shall we? See you next time, everyone. Bye-bye for now. Take it easy. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day, each year, year. Not to smell your fear Welcome to the world... I don't know why I sounded quite annoyed. World! Yeah. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show. The classic seaball, hitball, batsman. Mile 11, Ian Chappell picks the best... His best centuries he's watched. Do you reckon they're all in the last year? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just spilled water down myself. (laughs) Dinner's about six times a day. Yeah, we should get him on. I think the last time he was on was in April, so that's six months ago now at this point.
ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. We could get Mark Butcher on that ISDN. We should speak to Mark Butcher. Tweet Mark Butcher again and be like, mate, do you want to come on there? He's been doing a lot of work for Sky, hasn't he? Yeah. Say, like, do you want to come and have a chat about the, the World 2020 next week? Yeah. Oh, that would be ludicrous. That <laughs> would be yeah. Absolutely. Be like, Evening, Mark. Absurd. Yeah. <laughs> But can you imagine if you were just like a regular listener to the World Cruise Show? It's just <laughs> mocking about it. It's like, now we'll get the thoughts of Mark <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.